Welcome home if you're back from holidays. Uh, just want to remind you, work starts tomorrow. School starts tomorrow. Everybody, hallelujah, that exciting. <laughs> Some of us haven't stopped, of course. No holidays. Yeah. Hey, I want to turn your attention this morning to a passage in 2 Corinthians. It's a book in the New Testament part of the Bible. And uh, 2 Corinthians in a particular chapter 8. And while you're turning there, all the, the young people, the, we call them YPs, young people, 12 and 13 year olds, we have discipleship class happening. You may now go to that. Follow Kerry out. Are you there yet? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. I want to read those verses. Please follow in your own Bible. I do have it on the screens if you have... Just happened to forget that this morning. Most of us have got it, I imagine. So 2 Corinthians, this is Paul speaking to a group of Christians called, um, who live at uh, Corinth. And the, uh, they're the Corinthian Christians. And he says in uh, verse 1, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. If you looked at the Macedonian churches, it's those, a number of churches around the Mediterranean Sea, um, uh, the Holy Land, as they call it in those days, or we call it. In verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they're able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to, be, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. What are they talking about, this act of grace? If it's, he's talking about giving, okay? That's what he's talking about. The, the um, Macedonian churches giving. Verse 7, but since you excel, Paul says to the churches there, he says, since you excel in everything. Wow, I'd like to be like that. I don't excel in everything yet. <laughs> but anyway, Paul kind of makes one of those statements, since you excel in everything, and then he kind of gets very specific of what it is, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. I mean, I, I'd like just to excel in those areas, that'd be great. And then he says, but see that you also excel in something else. He says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Can we just say that again? Grace of what? Giving. Giving. I want you to excel in this, he says. Just like your love and your, your faith and your knowledge and the way you speak to each other is excellent, be excellent in this area as well, in this grace of giving. Um, I, uh, this passage of Scripture, as I said, was written by Paul. He wrote um, both books, First and Second Corinthians. And in this we see, of course, Paul is the early church missionary. He planted a lot of the churches in that, in that whole area around the Mediterranean Sea. He, he, was, he was not only the missionary, he was the pastor, he was the evangelist, he was the theologian. And now, as he speaks to these churches in Macedonia, he's the fundraiser. You ever thought of it that way? He, he literally is asking them to give. Now, what is he asking them to give to? Um, while this portion of Scripture doesn't tell you who he wants them to give to, if you read the chapters around this, you'll see that it's the Jerusalem church that is in need. It's the Christians in Jerusalem. In actual fact... They're suffering badly, if you read about it. And he says, guys, there's a need. 
in, in these Christians and, and they're in much need and we need to take up an offering for them because they're in incredible struggled street at the moment. And so Paul makes this appeal to these Christians for the Jerusalem, uh, to the Christians in Macedonia area for the Christians in Jerusalem. And when you think about it, Jerusalem was the mother church. It was the very first church planted. Remember, if you would go back to another book in the New Testament called Acts, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. And in the second chapter, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Remember that? And, uh, and, and a lot of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in Him. In actual fact, in one day, 3,000 came to Christ. And as much as the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was another incredible event that happened because of that presence of God at that time. And we see that what happened was Jerusalem itself experienced a, and a, all the needs were met. It actually says, there's in Acts chapter 4, I just quickly slip it up there. It says this, at that time when the Holy Ghost was poured out, that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses and sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and was distributed to everyone who had need. Isn't it interesting? Jerusalem that had no need at the beginning. They were the mother church. They were the church. And out of Jerusalem, there came a, a, a persecution and everybody scattered and they went. In actual fact, it wasn't so bad, that persecution, because it actually let people go out into the different cities and plant churches. And Paul was one of them. He planted many churches. And so while Jerusalem was once a place where the Christians had every need met. Now, years and decades down the track, we see that they're a church that's in need. And Paul says, just as they were so giving back then, I think we need to be giving to them now. So there's the history of this little passage we've just read. Is that cool? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your truth. And I thank you that, Lord, um, beyond what I say, Holy Spirit, you speak. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Paul is saying something here that isn't literally written, but it's saying this. And I think we can all appreciate this, is that the power of money, it is the power to do so much good. It is the power to affect and influence people for so much good. And that's what Paul is asking the churches to do to help the Jerusalem Christians. Because that scene, because as I said, even in the second chapter of Acts, one of the great, wonderful things that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it, it just released people to say, what I have is not just mine, but also someone else's I can share it with. It was an incredible act of generosity. In actual fact, we see here, Paul talks to the Macedonian churches. And in this passage in Second Corinthians, he says, Even though you Macedonian churches yourself are suffering under a trial, and you have very little, he actually says, as we read before, you churches are in poverty yourself, but let it well up in rich generosity. And yet he doesn't, Paul doesn't stop declaring and asking them for an offering, even though they themselves have very little. They were willing to give to the Christians of Jerusalem. I think that's an incredible act of generosity, don't you? If we went back to that passage just before there in 2 Corinthians, we see that in the midst of a severe trial. You had overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. These churches at Macedonia themselves, the people were facing poverty themselves, and yet they took what they had and they gave it so that Jerusalem Christians didn't have to suffer. Because the, I believe the Christians at Jerusalem knew what it was like to share, even back from the birth of their church in the second chapter of Acts. 
I think that's how powerful money is. It is the power, would you agree, to influence people for good and do amazing things. I don't know if you've ever seen money that way, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Used in the right way, it's powerful. I, uh, this week I had a phone call. Uh, from a lady, her name is Jan, she was in Rockhampton. I don't know Jan, but we got to know each other during the course of the day as we conversed on the phone. And she said, Pastor James, there is um, three young people stranded in a car um, out, out on the Bruce Highway near Benarabi. They've slept overnight in the car. I, I, um, she, didn't, um, she knew them and she wanted to help them. And uh, they uh, needed a whole rim and tire. And she had sourced one in Glasden from Rockhampton. And she rang up and she rang and she says, I've sourced one. I've paid for it. It's waiting in Gladstone Wreckers. Could, could somebody please go and take that rim and tire out to them? And I said, I'll get back to you within half an hour. Let me see if I can find someone. Um, and so I rang up someone in this church, Dave Nichols. Is Dave here this morning? Where is he? He's not here this morning. That's cool. I can talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Is he? Oh, there he is. Where is he? He's gone. He was there, was he? Gee, if there's a Dave Nichols in the building, lift your hands. No, no one's here. Someone else. That's cool. So I rang Dave, and Dave said, not a problem, I'll do it. So Dave um, went down to Gladstone Records, picked up the rim and tire. They'd been paid for by the lady in Rockhampton. He went out to the Bruce Highway. He got all the way out there, and it was the wrong one. It was the wrong size. So, so we went all the way back to Gladstone Records, got the right size, Took it all the way back out to Ben Ruby on the Bruce Highway and helped them fit it. They got on their road and they were able to uh, travel to Rockhampton. Now, here's the story, how the story really gets really powerful because Jan, who's a Christian, who, who set it up and who paid for the time rim, one of the people in the car had just got out of jail and she's been witnessing to them because she goes into the jail and she shares with them. And she'd shared with this young man and he'd been kind of thinking about the things of God. And as David went out there and helped them, this young man then declares to Jan on the phone, you know, maybe God is on my case in more ways than one. Maybe God is doing something in my life I've never seen before. Is this what Christians usually do? And Jan says, definitely. You know, I just want to say this morning, money is because it took David Nichols' petrol out and back, out and back, He's not asking for any money. If you know Dave, you just know he'll be there if, you, if he can be there. It took Jan's money in Rockhampton to buy the tire in the rim. It just took money to see a little miracle of God and a heart open to the things of God. And I want to say money is powerful. Would you agree? Last year, Michelle and I were standing in a line at Drake's shopping, um, Drake's supermarket. And in front of us was a young lady. She'd bought maybe about 10 items or she was purchasing 10 items. They're all scanned and they went through. She puts her card in and the card, she found out, didn't have enough money in it. To her, her some element of embarrassment had to leave the um, shopping items there and walk out of the store. There was no big kerfuffle. The person behind the counter said, that's fine. Just leave them. It's fine if you can't pay. We paid for ours. We went outside. The lady was, young lady was sitting at a chair outside and Michelle gave me one of those looks that I knew she was up to something. And she said to me, honey, we've got to pay for those groceries. I said, yeah, yeah. I just sent. So she went up to the young lady. Michelle's good at this. And she said, I just, want to, I just feel that the Lord God, because I'm a Christian, has just told me that I need to help you and I want to go back in there with you and pay for those groceries so you can have them. She was a little bit stunned, this young lady. She just kind of sat there and said, uh-huh, okay. 
Michelle kind of talked to her through it and, and didn't try to make a big thing of it, just, you know. So we took her back in, paid for the groceries. The young lady walked away. And to this day, we've never met her, but I want to tell you, if there's a young lady who someone shares more of God with her who's going to have an open heart, wouldn't you agree? Money is powerful. And you might think, oh, don't say that. No, folks, money is powerful. Put in the hands of righteous people. It's incredibly powerful. For the, and we all have to live by it. You know, it's powerful because the reality is, um, no wonder the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says this, if we put it up there. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is that what it says? Exactly, that's what it says. Some have strayed from the faith in the greediness in, you know, many sorrows, pierced themselves through many sorrows. See, that's probably one of the misquote, most misquoted verses in the Bible because some people have said, hey, see, see, money is a terrible evil. Folks, if money was a terrible evil, we should all get rid of it and never have anything to do with it. But that's not the case because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's the love of money that's a terrible evil. Would you agree? It's the love of it. It's the attitude that we have towards money. It's not money itself. It's the attitude that we have. And I, I, I think money is such a powerful thing because the problem doesn't lay with the cents and the coins or the, the, the uh, amount on the screen. And sometimes that's all our money is, is just an amount on a screen. There's no hard copy. It's just a, you know, in a bank account, it's just a figure. It's just in the cloud, you know. <laughs> Who's ever worked out that yet? <laughs> it's up there somewhere. I have $100 in the bank account. Where is it? It's, it's there. It's there. Don't worry about it. So, you know, it's an interesting thought. See, it's just that money itself is not evil, but you know what? It's people with the evil intent that make money a problem. But when we put money in the hands of righteous people, it is incredibly powerful for the kingdom of God and for the working of God's kingdom. In actual fact, if it wasn't for money, we would be all sitting under a gum tree this morning. Isn't that true? We wouldn't have the building that someone paid for decades ago so that we could know the blessing of at least gathering in one place out of the weather and, and, uh, and out of, uh, uh, you know, what the elements want to offer us. We're thankful for that. Um, so money is powerful because unfortunately, it says in this verse, is that money can, as much as it can do good, it can also, some people can be destroyed by it. And that's sad. That's how powerful money is. Um, the good thing is that, uh, of course, the right attitude about money can be an incredible blessing. And uh, it can be a blessing to you and your family. It can be a blessing to achieve amazing things for good and, uh, and not for evil. And I find that terribly exciting um, that we could use finance to actually see God's kingdom extended. And we have and we do. It's sometimes we just don't talk about it because we think we shouldn't talk about it. It's a bit like sex. Oh, don't say sex in church. Folks, sex is a wonderful thing in the right context, isn't it? Money is a wonderful thing in the right context. It does an incredible thing. Um, and we'll talk more about that. But Paul actually says, he says, you know what? Paul doesn't have any misgivings about saying, guys, we're going to take up an offering. And you know what? I want you to excel in your giving. And the Macedonian Christians and said, well, we haven't got anything. We've got our own poverty. They had every right to say that. But no, they said, no, no, we're, we're in. We're in, Paul. We're going to give to the Christians in Jerusalem. And so Paul says, come on, excel. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, let's remind you what it says there again in that verse. It says, but since you excel in everything, excel also in the grace of, come on, let's say it, 
giving, giving. So why does Paul ask the church to excel in the grace of giving? And why would even God ask us to excel in that grace of giving? Let me give you three reasons this morning. Let's just look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 for a moment. Let me talk to you about it. You know why? The first thing, giving is a response to what God has done for me in the past. Uh, it's a tangible recognition of what God has done for us. Um, there's no better way to show appreciation than in giving. When somebody does something kind for you, the response, the wonderful way to respond that and appreciate that is to actually give them something in return. Now, I know if someone gives you something, you don't have to give in return. There's no need to. And sometimes people give to you and they say, we don't want anything in return. Don't steal the blessing by giving me anything back. They just want to bless. But, you know, appreciation is shown by giving things in return. And we see this uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, as we go on to the next chapter after chapter 8. This is what Paul says, because these whole two chapters, chapters 8 and 9, are talking about giving. It says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. I, um, I find that good. You know what this is saying? Don't give if you feel guilty or pressured. Because God loves someone giving with a cheerful heart. And when you give under obligation or give under guilt or give under pressure, you're not thinking gratitude. True, hey. If there's pressure in your heart, oh, I've got to give you. You know, it's attitude. You've got to change that attitude. Or you've got to, you've got to not give. That's the reality. Because you're not thinking gratitude when you're thinking, oh, I've got to give. You're not thinking gratitude. But Paul says, come on, give with a cheerfulness. Think, you know, give with a gratitude. I, I, you know, and, and sometimes there's a working through that and saying, oh, I've got to change my attitude hey, about this. Because we could say, well, the truth is, I haven't got a good attitude, I won't give. And that's not what Paul's saying. He's, he's, he's really saying, you know, give with a cheerfulness. It might mean a change of how you think about it. Um. Don't, you know, uh, the reality is the reason I believe God loves a cheerful giver is I think it's because a cheerful giver is first and foremost appreciative. That's what I believe. They're, they're appreciative of all God that has done in their lives, appreciative of all the things they have. They're appreciative of just life. And out of that comes an appreciation and out of that comes a cheerfulness. And so giving is not a trial. It's not a chore. It's a joy. It's a, <laughs> I, want to, I want to just give because... I'm appreciative of what God has, is, up to this point, I have life, I have breath, I have a roof. You know, sometimes I just sit in my quiet time and I say, Father, I've got a roof over my head. I've got actually a car that I drive. I've actually got a fridge that I can just go and buy, get food out of. Folks, I am in the ten, top 10% richest people in the world. God, thank you. Just life. You've given me life. Some people... Actually, there's people who have a lot less, and I'm just so thankful. I think, Father, thank you. Thank you. I have, um, I've always appreciated it when, when I've brought my children in, in years gone by, when my children are a little bit smaller, and uh, I still have one child at home. And, I, and, and, you know, I buy them that special little thing, maybe a packet of chips or a chocolate bar, and, and they're chewing away on it, and, and all of a sudden they stop, and they say, hey, Dad, would you like a chip? 
I've always appreciated that. Or would you like a little bit of the chocolate bar? And I want to tell you the reason that I appreciate that. Um, am I a dad who wants to gobble up their goodies? Mm, yep. No, 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 no. No, no, not at all. No, I'd buy my own if I wanted that. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm a dad who just appreciates that they appreciate what they've got. And when they appreciate what they've got, they'll acknowledge the father who paid the money to buy it. And if they continue that attitude, they'll be thankful for what they got and not spoil for what they got. And I think, you know, as a dad, I'm, I, I want to breed that in my children. I want, to, I want them to understand that. I want them to excel in that principle of understanding that, you know, be grateful for what you got. Don't see it as your, as your um, well, this is my right, but it's my blessing. It's a privilege. And and. And I, and I see my children do that, and I say, and you know, sometimes over the years, of course, they didn't do that. They just get into it. And I say, just wait a second. Do you mind if I have a chip? And so it was a principle of learning for them. And they say, oh, Dad, get your own. And I'd say, no, 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 no. That is mine. I bought it. Oh, okay, have one. Because <laughs> I give them the option. I have it all, or I have one. What do you want? Oh, you can have one. So it's... You know, and I think our Heavenly Father says, you know, does God want the chips and chocolate? No, he's not interested in it. To be honest, he's not interested in our money. He just wants you. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment too. But the, the, the principle, I want my children to excel in giving. God wants us to excel. Paul says, would you excel in giving? In actual fact, when you do it, one of the reasons that you'll really excel and know you know that you're excelling is when you just have, you've got over this whole thing about money and you just give cheerfully. You just give cheerfully. And you're thankful and you're cheerful because you know what God has provided for you, have done for you. Um, I just want to thank you, church, for over many decades, you've continued to demonstrate the appreciation over many years by your giving, by your giving. And it's incredible. Hundreds of thousands of dollars have been given through this church. Many people's lives have been won. Over a thousand people have come to Jesus Christ through just this church, let alone all the other churches in our city and region. And that's because someone put some money up for that to happen. You know? We're, we're about to take up, um, in August next month, we're about to take up our, what we call our first fruits. And those who are regular would appreciate and understand what a first fruits offering. We do it every year. We've done it for decades. And we have this season where we take up the first fruits and we then give a portion of that into something. And, we'll, and I'll tell you uh, next week and we'll talk about that, uh, where that's going to be heading. Uh, it's a free will offering. No compulsion on our part. I'm just asking you, participate. Uh, it's a great blessing. So, um, so the first thing is that we see that we give, excel, can excel in giving because of what God has provided in our past. Here's a second thought. The second reason that we can excel in the grace of giving is giving is a response to what God has done in the present. Presently. It's not just a response to the past, but a response to what God is doing now. Today, giving today enables me to look beyond me and my own needs. It enables me to check my values and ask myself, what is the most important thing in my life right now? What's, uh, what are my priorities? Who am I living for? Am I, what am I seeking uh, to achieve with what I have today? Um, 
my giving is a reminder that God is the source of everything in my life and God has picked, placed me on the earth to help extend his kingdom and be a blessing to others. In that sense, it's a wonderful thing here and now that I can do. Um, 2 Corinthians 8.5, it just says this. And not only as we had hoped, this is what Paul says, but did you know they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God? Who did? The Macedonian church gave themselves to God and then they gave them to us. And this kind of leads into what I just said before. Paul is in, Paul's encouraging the church. How another He's encouraging the church of Corinth how other churches have given. They've been, they gave themselves to God, they gave themselves to us, and then they gave. And uh, it says that in verse 5. And people who are generous have first and foremost given themselves to the Lord because they really, the truth is, as I said, God doesn't really need your money. He wants your money. Because he wants you, but he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. God wants us, and that's why giving is an incredible way of giving ourselves to God because giving keeps us from, well, I don't know about you, but it keeps me from my self-centeredness, and it realigns my priorities all the time because I continually see what I want. And, you know, I've learned over the years there's some things I bought that I wanted, but I didn't need. Does anybody understand? <laughs> because a year down the track and two years down the track, it's sitting idle. And you can go on Facebook um, and you can look at all the things that you can buy there. I just yesterday, I, I, I was just looking for a little exercise bike, just a cheap one, second hand, you know, 20, 30 bucks will do, whatever. And I went on there, it was literally lots and lots of secondhand exercise bikes. I think, why is that? And I thought, I don't need to buy a new one and bring a new one into the world. I just need to grab one of these old ones. You know, because people sometimes buy what they want, but they don't need it. And then they try to sell it. And, you know, I understand that. But oh, so many things, so many things sometimes we have in our garages, in our cupboards that we wanted, we've got, but we don't need. And I think, Father, I need to realign my priorities sometimes with what I really need and what I should do with what you give me. There was a missionary who, I love this story, who was witnessing to a chief in Africa many, many decades ago. And the missionary was talking to him about God and the, and the chief was seeking to respond to the missionary and he wanted to impress the missionary and he says, I'm going to give you gifts of horses and blankets and jewelry. And the missionary said, Chief, my God doesn't want your horses and blankets and jewelry. God wants you. And the chief smiled and paused for a moment and says, you have a very wise God because if God gets me, he gets the blankets and horses and jewelry. <laughs> it's a true story. The wisdom of that is the chief understood. If he gets me, he gets everything else. See, God wants you folks, but the truth is when he has you, everything else is then his anyway. Everything is given. So God's response, our response to excelling in the grace of giving is not just because of what God provides, to be thankful for the past and to be um, giving today so that we can realign today what's important, what's priorities. But you guessed it, the third thing is this, why Paul says to excel in the grace of giving. Giving is a response to what God, God is going to do in the future. Today, you sowed into your future if you, if you gave an offering and a tithe. 
tithe this morning, you sowed into, did you know that, into your future? Future, yeah. It's a great investment. In actual fact, I've discovered that investing in God's kingdom and what I give in, into the works of the things of God has got a better interest rate than anything the Commonwealth Bank has ever offered me and ever will. Better return. Major return. Do I do that so I can get? No. I think God's principles are very clear. He gives so we can be a blessing. And then I receive more so I can be a greater blessing. It's just a perpetual coming in, going out. I think that's a great way to live. It's a great way. See, it's a response to what God is going to do in the future. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. He who sows will also reap. Very simple. Now, there's, there's some verses in, there's some words in that verse that I have, I've I'm not excluded because it's, they're bad. I just, just wanted to emphasize that part of the verse. He who sows will also reap. It actually says he who sows sparingly will, will reap sparingly. He who sows abundantly will reap abundantly. See, what, the amount you sow is the amount that returns. Isn't that true? You sow little seed, you just get a couple, a bit of harvest. You sow more seed, you get more harvest. That's a simple principle. It's not even spiritual. It's just practical. It's just literal. That's what happens. Giving is a response but when we give, it's sometimes a response of faith. Money is very important to all of us because when I give it, it's a great way to demonstrate faith because as I give um, this important commodity away, I'm taking God at his truth and, what, and I'm declaring that God as I sow, I believe there's a reaping back so I can even be a greater sower. That's the reality. Giving is often seen in Scripture like sowing a seed, isn't it? And when you sow a seed, there's periods of darkness for that seed. It doesn't, and then all of a sudden, the seed comes through the surface of the soil and sunlight comes, and you don't see anything then for another period, and you don't see any harvest for a while. But I want to tell you, some of you have received incredible blessings, and you'll think, what happened for me to receive this blessing? Well, folks, six months ago, you sowed something, and you forgot about it. That's the truth of the matter. God didn't forget about it, because what you sow, you will reap. It just takes sometimes a little bit longer than you think. So I find that I just sow it and forget about it and let God take care of the harvest. And then I get a surprise. Oh, God, where'd that come from? Well, you know, you sowed. So, where am I up to? I believe God wants to do greater things in my life for the future. Then, and one way of demonstrating my belief in a better future is just by sowing today. Sowing is such an important thing. See, you're, some people come to me and say, my marriage is a mess. I said, how did that happen? It just happened. One day it was good, one day it was bad. I said, no, it wasn't. No, that doesn't happen. They said, yes, it was. It was really good last week, but it's really bad this week. I said, buddy, you've been sowing for years. If it's bad today, it's not because of just one week badness. You've been sowing for years. Can you see that? You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 you've been, it does, something just doesn't fall over in one 24 hours. It's been, been, been leaning for months or years. So what you sow is what you'll reap eventually. It doesn't always happen at once, but it will happen, whether good or bad. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about something, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruit of all your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Folks, we don't have barns. We have sheds. We don't have vats overflowing with new wine. Um, if you do, tell me about it and we'll have a chat about that. <laughs> I'm not saying drinking wine's wrong. I'm just 
<laughs> Don't let it... Anyway, we won't go there. That's another sermon. <laughs> but here's the reality. God is saying, hey, you know, what you put first, the first fruits of all your increase... And this is where our first fruits offering comes in, I suppose. That we're saying, God, we thank you for what is about to come. And we thank you for the very first fruit on the vine. So Israel would do that. The very first bunches of grapes would come. They'd take them and present them to the Lord or give them in the temple. And, and they were saying, God, as we give you the first fruits, we're believing you'll look after the second, third, and fourth fruits for the whole rest of the next 12 months that you'll look after us. And so it's very much a faith thing, you know, because the very, we often have the attitude, well, we can sometimes, of the very first thing. We don't want to give that away because if that's all we get, that's, maybe that's all we'll get. We'll only get three bunches of grapes. How can we give? that to God no no that's where faith comes in for the future doesn't it we give the first and of course we find that we can have to trust him because then I believe he's faithful to provide the rest of the year that's what Israel would do the Jewish people would do um, they would uh, of course give her the first bit and they'd find that the rest the next bit was really good so what comes first what you give first affects what comes next and as I said a couple of weeks ago, if you don't like what's been coming next, change what you put first. You don't like the next bit? You don't like what's unfolding in your life? You don't like what's been reaped? Change what you sow. So giving this morning is a response to what God has done in the past. It's a response to what God is doing now. It's a response to what God wants to do in the future. The past, in that we need to be cheerful for what and thankful. What he's doing now, we need to continually realign. I find I continually have to realign my, my, in this area. Because, you, you know, someone gives you a hundred bucks. And you think, oh, what I could spend it on. And then I think about, oh, God, what do you want me to do with it? <laughs> I think I was telling you the other day, I... I, I, I was down at netball and this, watching my daughter play netball and they go around with a raffle and you put your name on 100 squares and you give $2. And so I always have the attitude, I'm not into buying raffles or, you know, gold lotto. Okay, folks, but I can see it was just a donation. That's how I class. So I bought two, four bucks, put my name on the little squares and said, that's a donation. Well, in my mind, I had a phone call that night. You just won 100 bucks. I thought, brilliant. I was telling, I know most of you heard this story, but anyway. So I'm thinking, what can I do with it? And then my wife says something to me. And as we've heard before, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, but she looks like my wife. He looks like my wife. And he says, she, and she says what are you going to do with the 100 bucks? I said, oh, I don't know. What do you think we could do? She says, you know what you should do with it. <laughs> I said... Okay, so I went back down to the netball the following Tuesday and they, because they rang me and said, pick up the 100 bucks, it'll be there. I went back and actually it was a fortnight later, I finally got down there and I went to the lady and said, the 100 bucks? So she said, you're James Shield. I said, yeah, yeah. She pulled it out from under the counter, 100 bucks in an envelope, clear envelope. I said, could you just put that back into the rep, the rep team who are looking for money? She says, what? I said, just put it back in. She says, what? I said, far out, you're deaf. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Just put it back. Oh, you want me to give it back to them so they can, yep, you got it. See you later. We're all good. 
I just think we need to go against the grain. I think it just challenges people. I think it, money is powerful because it influences people for good in God's kingdom, folks. Isn't it? It's good. Can we just, uh, thanks, Kate. We serve a great God because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday that provided for me. He's going to provide today and he's going to provide for my future. I can trust him. It's really easy to thank him for the past because that doesn't take a lot of faith. I could just be thankful. I'm alive today. That's good enough to be thankful for. One day I'm not going to be alive. That's okay. I've got to be thankful for that too. Uh, Today, I just want to realign today. I just want to make sure that I'm on the right priority today. In the future, well, that takes faith. And that's what our first offering, uh, first fruits offering is about. It's faith. It's a faith step. And uh, as I said, in August, we're going to take it up. And we'd love you to be a part of it. You don't have to be. Um, but if you want to be. And we'll tell you in the weeks to come exactly where that's going to go. And Because well, we always give out from that. We give a tie, the 10% of that out into some um, needy area. Um, and I'll show you what we've done in the past in the weeks to come. And God has been very faithful and good to us. And I'm so glad. And you know what really excites me? As I said, over a thousand people have responded as we've given. Over a thousand people have come to the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, in the last 15 to 20 years, just in this building alone, let alone all the other churches. As we've given, um, there's over 46, I, I thought it was 30, about 46 people from this church have gone to Bible college and become pastors around not just Australia, but around the world. That's as people as given, as people have just been faithful. I think that's powerful, isn't it? We're bigger than just the four walls. And money has power to do that. And so, am I all, all, all about money? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I know that God uses it, and I want to see God's kingdom extended. And I want to see His name uplifted. And I know that it takes that, so... Can we stand this morning as we close? You know, our church is not into prosperity. We're not a prosperity church. We're just a giving church that wants to touch people's lives. Please understand that, Port City, and I think we do. I'm not into, you know, grab it and blab it and grab it. But we're into um, receiving and giving out. And I'm thankful for that. And I just thank you, people. And, and some people say you should never preach about money. But I just think, you know, um, 153 times in the New Testament alone, Jesus talks about money. <laughs> I think it's probably a, a viable message. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for one another. We thank you that you've brought us together, that your name is uplifted, that, Father, people's lives being transformed and touched. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're faithful to us. And, Father, we thank you, God, as we take your truth and your message, that, Lord, that your will be done in and through our lives. Father, we give you all the honor and all the praise. And even as we go into this day, guide us in our conversations, in our speech, in our understanding, in our love, as it says, to excel in those things. Lord, help us to do that. I know that's... Your spirit and your, and your presence enables us to continue to do that well. And then to excel in giving as well. And we thank you for that opportunity. Give us more opportunities, Lord, so we can be givers. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. And if you agree, you said, amen. Have a wonderful day, folks. Please, if you can stay for morning tea, we'd love to have you host you this morning as a guest. That'd be